Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadier Show. This is Mike Abadier. We hope everyone out there had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday. We missed you guys. We obviously took last week off, so this is our first show in a couple of weeks. Typically, you all are expecting to hear the high-energy Gino Bicola joining me, but he's got some business to take care of today, which is uh, fine, because we have a great guest co-host joining us today. Any regular listener of our show knows that one of our more popular contributors to the show is Rick Ciratella. He's a draft NFL draft analyst with Draft Scout and the creator of NFL Draft Bible. Rick Ciratella is going to be joining us for the duration of the show. Rick, how are you, my friend? Mike, I'm all pumped up, ready to go. Uh, big shoes to fill from one paizan to another. Yes. Yes, exactly. Big, big <laughs> shoes to fill, but, but if, if there was anybody that was a cutout for the task, it's you, Rick. There's so many different things that we kind of want to hit on today um, and a lot to catch up on, obviously, since uh, we've been out of patch for the last couple of weeks. Let's just quickly get started with the NBA because I, I think it, there's been a fascinating start to the season thus far. You know, I joked around, and um, you know, Gino is a much bigger NBA fan than I am. So I kind of, I, I kind of was uh, jabbing at him a little bit, and was like, "I'm going to do an NBA preview show, and I'm going to study up for it, and I'm going to put a lot of time and energy into it." And I think you may have been on that day, and then I just was like, "The NBA preview show is that the finals are going to be the Warriors and the Celtics." Thank you very much. Let's move on to the next topic. But you know, to the NBA's credit, and to uh, to my surprise, we've got some pretty interesting standings. When you look at the West, the L.A. Clippers have the best winning percentage in the West. You know, uh, yeah. the, the Celtics are, are in seventh. They're, they're barely above 500 and not doing very well. You know, the Lakers have been pretty streaky, have won in patches, lost in patches. we got teams like the Nuggets doing well. OKC is, is, is performing better than I think maybe some people have expected and Memphis and Portland and the, the Mavs, you know. But overall, you know, do you have any thoughts or impressions about the early NBA season thus far, Rick? Well, I think that's the key word, early. So these teams are still finding their way. They're still finding their rotations, trying to fit in all the new pieces in Boston. And, you know, I think the thing that stands out to me, two things. First off, in the East, what a what a – dumpster fire Cleveland has become. I mean, they've got the worst record in the league. Uh, you know, we, we, we just saw how much LeBron, LeBron means to them. And then, you know, he goes to the Lakers. They're hovering around 502 games over at 11-9. and nine. I still think at the end of the day, the King will have something to say about that path to the championship, and he'll meet up with the Warriors, uh, you know, maybe the semifinals rather than in the end finals but the biggest shock to me mike you know i can't remember the last time i saw a greg popovich coached team below 500 i mean san antonio has been so consistent going back to the admiral david robinson it didn't matter 
onto Tim Duncan, post Duncan, didn't matter who the cast was, San Antonio was always at or near around the top of the NBA, and here they are under 500. I just don't recall ever seeing that. It's a Texas-sized surprise, right? Because you've got both Texas teams that people would expect to be, well, especially the Rockets, you know, towards the top of the standings, and then perennially, obviously, the Spurs are right there. Both teams are are uh, struggling and, and under 500. Uh, the Rockets have lost their last four games. They started off, you know, really poorly, had sort of kind of put it together for a short time period, but have kind of reverted back again. Spurs, no consistency whatsoever. The three and seven in the last 10. But the Mavs, Mavs are eight and two in the last 10. They've won the last three in a row. If the season were to stop uh, end today, they'd be a playoff team. So I think all three Texas teams are surprised in some fashion. I think the other big surprising thing to me is that excuse me here that the uh the nuggets are are 14 and 7 i mean i think some people maybe thought they'd be okay but i think that the kind of that sort of western you know team that had the upside was supposed to be utah and they're also a couple of teams under 500 so i think most people would have predicted that utah would would have started off the season a little bit better than they have i think i want to hit on something though that you mentioned a few moments ago which is uh, lebron james and the cleveland cavaliers if you defined mvp you know most valuable player wouldn't it be you know remove him from one team put him on the other team look at the records so if we looked at the lakers record last year the Cavs record last year obviously they get got to the finals and you remove LeBron from the Cavs and you put him on the Lakers and you look at the records, I mean, that, that, that should be the definition of MVP right there, shouldn't it? I couldn't agree more. And you just take a look at what he's still doing and bringing to the game. I mean, he's averaging 28 points, uh, eight rebounds, and seven assists a game. I mean, this guy's just still competing at an unbelievably high level. And, you know, the other guy, too, that – has really stepped up his game, too, and, and has elevated it is Kemba Walker. You know, I do play around a little bit with the fantasy basketball, and I have Russell Westbrook, Kemba Walker. These two guys, I mean, they're putting up studly type of numbers. I think they're both in the uh, MVP consideration as far as I'm concerned. But back to your point, LeBron James, to me, still undefeated MVP when it comes to the league. No, no doubt about that. And, you know, I think if uh, if I were to go back and look at my prediction of Celtics Warriors, I'm not terribly worry- worried about either team. You know, I think the team like the Celtics, they kind of figured out how to win without their two key superstars in Hayward and, and, and Kyrie Irving when they were both hurt last year. And that's why they were able to make a deep playoff run was because, you know, Stevens is, is one of the best coaches in the NBA and they figured out how to win without those guys. Sometimes when you bring one player back into the fold, takes an adjustment time, but I think when you're talking about 40% of your offense or 40% of your team, it's going to take some time to, to put it together. So I'm not worried about the Celtics quite yet. And like you said, it is early. Yeah, I mean, it's early. These teams will find their way. And, and you know, one last point I'll make uh, on the East. My Knicks right on cue, seven wins between the two New York teams, Brooklyn and New York, they can't even equal the amount of wins down the turnpike here in Philadelphia. There's a team that can actually rebuild. And you got to love what they've done with their young, talented roster. Now, maybe this year's not their year, but trust the process indeed. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I can't remember 
a big time franchise in any of the sports uh, be, be so piss poor for so long like the Knicks. You know, if you look at all the big teams, the franchises that are supposed to be good, that are supposed to be there, they have some down years, but usually they kind of pick up the pieces, you know, um, you know, scrap the plan, start from scratch, rebuild, bring in high-priced veterans, you name it, something usually works. You know, whether it's a Yankees or a Dodgers or a Cowboys or any of these legendary franchises, I don't remember ever in my lifetime a team that's been that's supposed to be good that's been bad for so long. Yeah, and I, I mean, the common denominator here is James Dolan. As long as he owns the team, I, I just don't see them turning it around. And, you know, it's been it's been sad to actually see because they do all these extravagant billboards and, you know, the decision when LeBron James was making a choice, even when Kevin Durant came and, and he was going to be a free agent, they do all these billboards around the city so that when the opposing team comes in, they see all this flattering. And we see time and time again these big-time free agents. They don't even want to play in what is considered to be the mecca basketball capital of the world. I'm not so much sure how that even carries any weight or effect. Somebody made a good point. You know, in the NBA, back in the day, you know, MJ and, and Magic and Larry, you know, if you were in a big market, you had that. Uh, advantage of receiving the additional media coverage. Now, if you're a superstar, even if you're on the West Coast playing late night Steph Curry, the the marketing and the NBA is going to promote you. And I think it doesn't really matter anymore what city you play in. You want those off-the-court endorsements, you don't have to play in New York anymore. You can go play in Oakland. You can go play in any market and still see those off-the-court endorsements. No doubt about it. I mean, one of the biggest names in the NBA right now plays in Milwaukee, right? So, I mean... You're, you're absolutely right about that. Before we leave uh, the, the, the great city of New York, uh, shifting gears to, to baseball for a quick second here, there's a rumor flying around that the New York Mets, who have been also one of those teams that have, uh, you know, should be good. And, and they were in the World Series a couple of years ago, but a lot of people have been disappointed in terms of how they've handled that pitching staff and the core nucleus over the last few years and why they haven't been contending, so on and so forth. Big rumor that they may be putting together a package for Robinson Cano. That is the rumor yeah, of the day heading into winter meetings. The air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at that, and, you know, the last I heard of it yesterday when I, when I checked the temperature, I know there was some discussion that maybe they would be dumping the Jay Bruce contract. Uh, the thing here with Cano, he's still got one, two, three, four, five, five more years left on this deal. He's on the back end of his 30s watching him every day with the Yankees before he went to Seattle, his range was very limited in the field, didn't always hustle, not a great athlete. And at 36 years old next season, this guy I don't think has any right playing in the National League because he probably needs about 40 to 50 games at the DA. You factor in now, is he or is he not still taking performance enhancers? If he's not, just like we saw with Jason Giambi and a lot of these other guys, after they got busted, Manny Ramirez, suddenly <laughs> the numbers go down. And, you know, he's going to decline naturally anyway, entering his late 30s. You know, if you're, if you're dumping a bad contract and taking on Cano, I can understand that there was some talk. The Yankees would swap the J- Jacoby Ellsbury contract, but 
Cano, Cano going to the National League makes no sense. None whatsoever. And, you know, you make a good point about some of those other guys who, once they got popped, they uh, never really, you know, found that old form, if you will. And, you know, I think with the, with the New York Mets, the thing is, you know, they have such a good pitching staff and they still do, you know, have key pieces, key ingredients, Cy Young winners and Cy Young contenders. It, the time is now. And so I understand when you have the mentality, well, if David Wright comes back, uh, if Jose Reyes can find his old self again and, and swipe some bags and hit 300 and play a good defense for us, if Jay Bruce can come in here and hit some home runs and Cespedes, it's a, the, it seems like the theme offensively uh, is just bring in old over the hill, their best seasons are behind them type guys. And Cano probably just fits right into that fold. So to me, I don't think it's a very smart decision. You know, I understand there's that urgency there, but doesn't seem, especially if you're going to package up any youngsters, you know, you just keep getting older. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So these winter meetings coming up should be fascinating. You know, I know that they say that the NFL is the year round sport, you know, from, from, you know, the end of the, from the Super Bowl. You, you know, you jump right into draft discussions and then if I'll combine an indie, you know, and then and then the draft and OTAs and rookie mini camps. And then, you know, uh, uh, you, you come together for training camp and preseason and you're talking year round. MLB to me carries a similar weight. Uh, I love it. It's kind of my always my childhood favorite. You and I have talked about this, Rick. So to me, I love uh-huh. the winter meetings. I love sitting back and seeing what moves are going to be made. Because the one thing about baseball is they have an impact not just on this season, but the year after and the year after that. You're talking about pieces that are moved that no names that nobody's heard of that could be Hall of Famers in four or five years when they come up. Uh, it just to me, it's it's the ultimate chess game of of general managership. Well, you know, it, it is, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of mega contracts. Being a Yankees fan my whole entire life, we've been down the road with, you know, whether it be the Texera contract, the Giambi contract, the A-Rod contract, the CC Sabathia second time a year around contract. It just seems like these 10-year mega deals that a Machado, that a Bryce Harper wants, they never pan out because look at the Robinson Cano contract now, right? He's dead weight these last five years. The back end of it never seems to pan out. So that's why I take a look at what the Braves did, bringing in the Josh Donaldson one year. Yeah, I'm paying $23 million, but it's not going to weigh me down long term. And I think that's the way to go in the modern day free agency. The free agent uh, pitching has gone through the roof. You want good pitching, you have to overpay. I don't understand why the Yankees, not to be the dead horse on the Yankees, don't go after Jay, Jay Happ. Uh, postseason tested did very well uh, down the stretch for the Yankees. And I don't hear a whimper out of the Bronx about re-signing this guy. They want to go and get Corbin. They want to go and get the kid from Seattle. They want this guy, Kakel, that guy, the other guy. What about Jay Happ? I mean, this guy was lights out down the stretch, clutch in the postseason. And and that's the one thing about these contracts, especially in the big major city markets. You can't measure the heart. You can't measure how they're going to perform in the playoff situation, because that's truly the only thing you're measured on in the Bronx is based on October success. It's the only reason why 
Aaron Boone has that managerial job right now because he was terrible with the Yankees. And that one home run off Boston will live in lore forever. So many great points there. I'll start with just the long-term contracts you're talking about. Man, I could not agree with you anymore. How many of these work out? I mean, here at L.A., we're, uh, you know, we get to see Albert Pujols every night. And if you look at the stat sheet, you may say, well, he's still hitting 25, close to 30 bombs, you know, still between 80 and 100 RBIs every year. You know, uh, if, you're, if you're strictly looking off of the stat sheet, you may say, you know, they're getting their money's worth, sort of. You know, if you look at the advanced metrics and analytics and the data, you know, whether it's war or, or any of these other uh, metrics that are used, you know, he's not he's below average. You know, he's been he's been terrible. Uh, and when you're talking about a 10 year, 300 million, 250 million type deal, that makes no sense to me. It kind of begs the question, if you and I know this, why is the team still keep giving out these deals? It will, it will not surprise you or I one bit. In fact, we'd be surprised the other way around if Harper and Machado don't get 10-year, 300, 400, million, some absurd dollar amount type deal. If we all know it, how come it still happens? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you know, I think it goes it goes back to just the, the revenue you're going to make at the gate, the merchandise you're going to sell at the ballpark. Uh, the TV ratings you're going to draw. Every MLB team now has their own regional cable television network. So, you know, I think that's the factors. When I know when A-Rod, the second go-around, came crawling back to the Yankees and the Yankees outbid themselves, a lot of it had to do because he was chasing that home run record. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if he didn't get suspended and, and we all know what happened from there. But that was a lot to do with justifying that kind of deal is because, hey, you know, people are going to tune in every night to watch him chase this home run record. And I think that plays into it a lot. Now, you know, we look at it $400 million for 10 years for a Machado or a Bryce Harper. It sounds ludicrous, but at the end of the day, how many more, you know, luxury box suites are you going to sell? How many season tickets? How much merchandise? How many more beers? How much more TV ratings? Sponsorships? The list goes on and on and on, and it goes back to what we discussed with NBA off the field. These marketing dollars now are dictating a lot of, you know, the majority of, of player salaries annually. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. Let's uh, let's take our first commercial break, and we'll uh, pick up the conversation with Rick Saratella from the NFL Draft Bible here on the Mike Abadir Show. Stay with us; we will be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Mike and Rick here talking a little MLB in late November. Uh, we will jump to the NFL in a second. But, Rick, did you uh, have a ch- chance to see this new ballpark that the A's are looking to unveil in uh, right north of Jack London Square in Oakland? Have you, have you seen the uh, artwork on that or the uh, presentation on that? You know, I have not yet seen that. Um, I'm happy for the city of Oakland just because, you know, I don't know. They already lost the Raiders. They're in danger of losing the Warriors. So I'm happy to see that they can at least keep one team in the city. But I have not yet get, gotten a chance to see those renderings. I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah, state-of-the-art facility. And I personally think it's a pipe dream. I'm not sure how the heck they could even make it happen financially. And, you know, they're talking about... Uh, a couple of different areas where they can, you know, get public funding through taxation and things of that nature. You know, I'm not sure if it ever flies, uh, but, you know, hey, it's a start. This is the first time that we've actually seen a legitimate proposal. Uh, they got some kind of uh, architectural uh, guru from, I think, Denmark or somewhere in, uh, you know, Eastern European or nation or Northern European nation where they excel in architecture. Excuse my ignorance. I know nothing about it. I just know that what my eyes tell me is that this would be a fantastic thing. It looks gorgeous. And they've actually, they've re- when I say state of the art, they've made it to where from a tech perspective and from a fan-friendly perspective, there's nothing like it. Where you can, maybe if you work in uh, downtown or if you're having you know, a drink or lunch somewhere in the vicinity, you could walk basically through the stadium. You know, it's almost like there's like a walkway that that walks goes through it. It's kind of old school. It's something that maybe you would have seen in the early 1900s. You know, so something, you know, that uh, if it happens for the city of Oakland, I would sure hope so. Uh, I'd love to see it. I'm I'm obviously a, a Northern Cali guy. You know, my roots got started with the Oakland Raiders, so I, I'm still sad saddened by their move and their departure to Las Vegas. So. Fully agree with you, Rick. Hopefully this happens for the city of Oakland. 
Let's stick with Oakland, man, and let's get it started NFL-wise. That's our bread and butter here. And, um, you know, uh, words, I don't know what words can even come to mind to start describing the situation that's in Oakland. You were on the show a few weeks ago, and and we talked to little Oakland Raiders football. Um, Nothing has really changed. They've, uh, I guess they, I want to say that they give it their all, the, the talent isn't there. The coaching isn't there. The scheme, schemes aren't there. I mean, where, where do you begin in terms of your evaluation? And what direction do you even go in with the NFL draft? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, things are going to get worse before they get better. And that's just the, the nature of the situation. Uh, Gruden's not going anywhere like we discussed on a couple weeks back, I mean, he's got a 10-year co- contract guaranteed, so I'm thinking they're going to at least give him three years to overturn and reconstruct this roster. Now, you know, the way in this day and age, the NFL roster can turn over pretty quick. In a year or two, you can pretty much have a brand-new roster, and that's going to be Gruden's selling point. You hear him in the post-game press conferences. Hey, I talk to a lot of players that want to be an Oakland Raider. Hey, John, maybe – but maybe they're giving you a TV line. And you know what? The things that scare me, if I'm a Raiders fan, is you hear the the beat reporters say, hey, you know, post-game when players are talking to each other, you're hearing the vets tell other vets, hey, I can't wait to get out of this train wreck. So as many players that are willing to come play in Oakland, according to Coach Gruden, I think there's just as many players dying to get out of that situation. And, and, and just really... To add insult to injury is the whole city situation where it's hard, you know, to keep the fan base together if you're winning, knowing that you're moving. Now that we've got this two and nine train wreck and things are going to probably get even worse, I mean, things are, are, are really going to get ugly from a, a fan standpoint and an on field standpoint situation. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, they have the worst point differential in the NFL. You know, they have one of the worst offenses and one of the worst defenses in terms of uh, yardage, in terms of points for, in terms of points against, uh, you name it. I mean, they've they've really, really, really sucked. I mean, I hate to, to, to use say? that what word. Say when Amari Cooper when Amari Cooper goes and, and, and goes off on Thanksgiving for the Dallas Cowboys and says, I feel rejuvenated, was it bad coaching? Was it just a bad atmosphere? Was it a combination of both? I mean, it just doesn't look good for Gruden. These guys, Khalil Mack, they leave the team, they go off, they do big things. These are the kind of players you need right now. You know, I've got a, I've got a theory out there, and I was actually, we've talked about it on this show on, on multiple occasions. I've talked about it on multiple occasions. Um, we had a salary cap conversation, Gino and I, a couple of weeks ago. And I was actually a little bit disappointed to see that Colin Cowherd was talking about it earlier today. So he must be listening to the show and ripping off uh, some of our ideas here. But, but in all seriousness, no doubt about it. My theory is that uh, when you look at the teams that are at the bottom of the standings, or conversely, you look at the division leaders, a lot is very telling between the quarterbacks that took discounts in order for the team to be able to bring in pieces around them versus Uh guys that are huge cap hits for 2018. You know, at the top of the list is Jimmy G 
with the 49ers, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr. Those are teams, yeah. and, and, you know, those are teams that, you know, just don't have, and here's the thing, Amari Cooper kind of uh, is contrary to the notion that I'm about to say, which is they don't have the talent around them, or they don't know how to utilize the talent around them, right? Because Cooper obviously goes off, like you just said, with the Cowboys. But that aside, you know, I think that the quarterbacks are taking up so much of the salary cap, it makes it impossible to be able to construct a really good team around them. That's that's kind of what I'm seeing. That's, you know, something that teams are going to have to figure out how to maneuver around it. Yeah, you could ha- ask your quarterbacks to take a, a little bit of a discount, but I'm thinking that you're only going to do that for guys that are not going into their second contract, right? Because that's when you're going to get paid. So when are you going to ask people to do this? It's going to be guys like Drew Brees at the tail end of their career, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. Those are the guys, right? But then somebody who still wants to be a, you know, close to a Mac guy like an Aaron Rodgers, well, you're going to see what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to carry that team. Well, and I think that's exactly what we saw. You know, these teams like the Packers, uh, like the Seahawks, before they gave out these big mega paydays, hey, you go win the Super Bowl, now you're, you know, you're, your third-round quarterback in Seattle wants to be paid $100 million. Your you know, quarterback in Green Bay, I mean, hey, the, I think the average, on average, each NFL team is spending about $30 million at the quarterback position. I mean, on average, teams are spending about 20% they're allocating 20% of their salary cap on one position, it's hard to succeed. And that's why there's nothing better in the NFL than a good young quarterback. You saw it last year with the Eagles. I know Foles is the one that brought him through the finish line. But because their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, you know, probably made about five million. You know, Foles, as the backup, was probably making more than Wentz. But it allowed them to spend money in other areas. And you wonder just, you know, how many quarterbacks are willing to do that? Tom Brady did it for years, restructured, restructured his contract to, to help free up money and, and take care of other guys. Now, you take a look at some of the situations you mentioned. The Lions, I mean, they're paying Matthew Stafford $30 million a year. Uh, that, that's, that's really hard to take care of the other veterans on the team. Eli Manning is making $25 million a year. So guess what? They don't have money to sign both. Odell Beckham, and Landon Collins. Collins has got to go, and that's what happens, and that's why the draft is so more so important. We'll talk more about that, but if I'm the 49ers, why in the world am I paying Jimmy Garoppolo all this money based on a six-game body of work? There was no need to force that hand. They could have waited. They could have played another year and, and, and let him prove himself, but now they've put themselves in a situation you got to start questioning now John Lynch's inexperience. How much of a factor does that come into an equation where he's telling us a year ago what a steal they got in Reuben Foster? Now you just burnt through a first-round pick. Now you just tied up your team with the salary cap. So some of these warts are starting to show. Yeah, and with Foster, I mean, there was, there was a lot of writing on the wall there. There was a lot of red flags there. You know, uh, to me, when, when you're trying – when you've got a good veteran team and a good nucleus and somebody that, you know, guys that could take him under your wing, maybe. But when you're a team like the 49ers, you can't take those kind of chances. You can't take those kind of risks. You can't dole out that kind of money on somebody that's played six freaking games. You can't draft somebody that's got all these red flags 
and expect that it's just going to work because you're just such a good GM and you've got a good coach, head coach, and and that you know that your evaluation of him on the field is going to uh, overcome any of these other obstacles. You know, to me, when I look at it and I look at the division leaders. You know, the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson and the Chiefs with Mahomes and the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, the Bears with Trubisky, the Rams with Goff. All these guys are on rookie deals. It is not at all surprising to see that that's the case. I think this is the new NFL. They're going to have to figure out ways to be able to plug and play. And uh, if, if if that's not going to be the case, then you're going to be struggling for a long time to come. Let's look at... Historically speaking, teams with good quarterbacks almost throughout their histories, they've always been good. Take the Cowboys. You go from Staubach to to White to Aikman to uh, Romo and now to Prescott. For the most part, fans in Dallas haven't had more than two or three years without a good quarterback being on that roster. You know, 49ers the same way for a long time, you know, from Montana to Steve Young to uh, Bono and Elvis Gerback and Jeff Garcia, a little bit of a lull, and then Kaepernick. You know, ver- you know, the point I'm trying to get at is it's all about draft evaluation and bringing in that next guy and being ready for the next guy. And while a lot of people in Indianapolis kind of crucified, you know, that club for, for moving on from Manning, they were smart because they had their next guy lined up. And the one thing I'll give Elway credit for is he takes his chances. You know, the team has drafted, what, three quarterbacks in the first round over the last few years, maybe even four, actually. Uh, so, you know, I know I'm kind of going on a little bit of a rant here, but it's all about the, the, the financial relationship between you and your quarterback and figuring out who the next guy is going to be or else – you know, you're going to be doling out all that money for, for a guy, blowing your wad and being stuck with a bad contract and never having the ability to be able to bring in guys to fill those positions or retain your guys. Well, the truth of the matter is there's only a handful of these franchise quarterbacks. And again, it's almost like starting pitching in baseball. Suddenly now you want a good quarterback. God forbid one hits the open market. Kirk Cousins, we're going to pay you like a top quarterback and you know uh alex smith joe flacco you know we're going to pay you 25 million dollars a year just to keep you but it goes back to the continuity it's harbaugh and flacco tied at the hip belichick and brady tied at the hip tomlin and roethlisberger tied at the hip russell wilson pete carroll aaron Rodgers, mike mccarthy these guys have all won super bowls together drew Brees, sean payton and those are those you know, ride or die type of quarterbacks. And, you know, that's what you're seeing. But I think the mistakes come because, you know, these free agent quarterbacks aren't hitting the market. And even though, yeah, Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford are probably better than half the other quarterbacks in the league, there's no way they should be the top paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think, you know, it puts teams in an awful predicament because, hey, if I don't re-sign Matthew Stafford, you don't know what you're getting in the NFL draft. But I do like the new CBA. It's allowed more flexibility where, you know, Jamarcus Russell might weigh you down. Like you said, Elway, he's pulled the trigger on a couple quarterbacks early in the draft. Hasn't cost him a whole heck of a lot because of that new CBA. So hopefully, you know, we find some kind of readjusted salary for these quarterbacks to slide into but 
With that being said, as you know, Mike, the salary cap keeps going up, so these quarterback salaries will also probably keep going up. Yeah, and I think the agents you know, play a big role in that. Uh, I have not had the uh, luxury uh, or the fortune of working with a quarterback in the NFL, let alone a starting quarterback in the NFL. I would, if I did, though, I would be one of the rare few, I would have to imagine, uh, the, the, the club of, of agents that would even have this conversation would be very minute. I would sit, sit my, my client down and say, look, you could go down this road and get, be the highest paid quarterback in the league and probably not see a lot of wins on the field, and it isn't going to be your fault. Or you could take a little bit less, be an annual perennial playoff team, hopefully win a Super Bowl, maybe two, be a legend in that town, make tons of money for endorsements, probably through side revenue, make more than you would have made through that big contract and being a loser and out of the league in a quick period of time. Anyways, let's consider taking a team-friendly deal for the benefit of your club. The thing is, you know, when, when the layperson says, why would you do anything to help these rich owners out? But see, in NFL, that's completely the wrong thinking because they got to spend the money under the salary cap. So it's not like baseball where you're kind of cutting them a deal, you know, the owner a deal. In this case, it, that just means that money's going to go towards somebody else, which ultimately could put more money in your pocket in a roundabout way when it's all said and done if you're a winner. And that's kind of my viewpoint on it. Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of when it comes to your legacy – and we had a fun debate when we discussed the, the, the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But more times often than not, the quarterbacks you hear, Montana and Elway and Brady and Bradshaw, again, the common denominator, how many times have you hoisted that Vince Lombardi trophy? And you know what? Everybody viewed Drew Brees a different way when he brought that Super Bowl to the city of New Orleans. Everybody viewed Aaron Rodgers a different way, you know, brought back that Vince Lombardi trophy to Green Bay. And, you know, again, Joe Flacco, I mean, say what you want about him, but because he got that trophy coming out of Delaware, I mean, this guy saw a a huge payday, and good for him because FCS quarterback goes on to win the Super Bowl, but if you don't win that Super Bowl, you're not going to make that money on the field or off the field. Hey, we're becoming a marketing endorsement show here, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, huh? And you know what? With Flacco's a very interesting example because I'm not so sure that he would have been given such a long leash had he not won that Super Bowl, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you always have mm-hmm. the excuse to keep him in there, right? Well, hey, this is a Super Bowl winning Eli quarterback. Manning. He's t- Eli Manning, same thing. And so, you know, it kind of begs the question, uh, what's your what's your take on on Lamar versus Flacco moving forward? Wow. Well, you know, moving forward, short term, I want to rest up Joe Flacco, make sure he's ready for the playoffs because he's postseason battle tested, has that experience, and it would be hard for me to roll the dice with a rookie quarterback if I'm in the playoff hunt. Long term move. Hey, let's get Lamar Jackson as many reps as possible. Get him back there and start getting ready for that transition because, you know, the window is shut in terms of, you know, Joe Flacco's prime. Uh, this, this is the end is near. Now, with that being said, I think there's one more bullet left in the chamber that you give it a go if 
you do make it into the playoffs just because I, I, I do value experience when to the postseason. But, hey, training camp next season wouldn't surprise me if Joe Flacco's not on the roster. Well, let's stick with this season for a minute, though. How many wins in a row does Lamar Jackson have to have under his belt before we encounter a Dak Prescott, Tony Romo situation where Dallas management and the front office says, you know what, we'd be fools to take Prescott out now that he's won whatever it was at that time, six in a row, and bring Tony Romo back in, even though Romo's completely healthy. So when Flacco's completely healthy, what are you, you going to do uh, when Lamar is at win number four or five in a row? If I'm you in first him? place with Lamar Jackson, you know, he's won two in a row, and, and you know, they're six and five, Pittsburgh seven and three. If I'm in first place when Flacco's ready to return, I'm keeping Lamar in there. If not, you know, I'm putting, I'm putting Jersey Joe Flacco back in there, and I'm putting him on a short leash. And that's just the way it is. And, and again, it does go back to that Super Bowl. He, he's deserved that, right? He's earned that, right? And, you know, my first option is going to be to ride and die with Flacco full well knowing that I'm going to have an itchy trigger finger and a very short pa- patience guys mishaps yeah i i think that's very well said there completely agree with you we're a little bit late on taking the next break here so let's uh hold the conversation take a quick break and we'll be back with monique from covers.com stay with us we will be right back with the parlay queen Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. This week on The Revolution, it's a mixed bag of Thanksgiving hunting pursuits. Joining us will be Greg Ritz, host of Huntmasters, Jared Hinton, communications coordinator for Federal Ammunition, and Jill Gector with Cinch Jeans. Jim and Trav's outdoor Thanksgiving celebration is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Happy Thanksgiving and happy hunting. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Mike Abadir here with Rick Saratella from the NFL Draft Bible. He is filling in Gino's shoes very admirably, having a fun conversation about all things sports. And we're ready to bring in our first guest, our weekly guest, one of the listeners' favorite segments with the Parley Queen, Monique from Covers.com. Monique, how are you today? Doing really well. Excited. It's a great time of year for sports. Obviously excited with college football as well. Everything's starting to fall into place. And yeah, it's a great time of year. Can't complain. You know what? It's something that Rick and I wanted to get to a little bit. But what are your thoughts about the, uh, you know, the college football playoff? And you got a, a couple of teams that look like they're going to be fighting for that fourth spot. Any thoughts between who you think is a better matchup who belongs who deserves between Ohio State and Oklahoma Monique oh yeah definitely I think I mean you got to give it well I think I think it's going to be Oklahoma and I agree with that I mean everyone wants to see the dueling Heisman contenders battle it out and I think obviously Alabama would put up a ton of points versus Oklahoma's defense but I mean I just could not be more impressed with Kyler Murray just what he's done and I would just love to see that matchup I think to get this fairly easily too so yeah, I think they're going to get past Texas as well. What are your thoughts about that really quickly, Rick? Well, you know, my heart wants to tell me Oklahoma, but if I'm sitting in that college football playoff committee chair, you know, again, I hate to go down this road, but it's all about the ratings, right? So I'm looking at Urban Meyer and how appealing that would be in the four-game playoff. And, you know, I think the Ohio State, but is anybody going to give Georgia a not here, or are we just them all together? <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I mean, you know, this conversation is, you know, uh, it, this Saturday is going to be fascinating from from a variety of perspectives, and I, I kind I like chaos. I think I said this around the same time last year. I like chaos. I want to make it really, really tough uh, on the committee. So I'm hoping that that the, the teams on the field don't make it easy for them. You know, I'm sure they're sitting back hoping that everybody that should win should, you know, make our lives easier. Let's hope they win. But I have a feeling you're going to see some chaos this weekend. I hope so. And I hope we're on the right side of the chaos, too, because honestly, nothing's better than being on the right side of that and having just such entertaining games. But it's been a fantastic season. And I I mean, Bama's looked dominant as ever. But it's yeah, it's a it's a really tough it's a really tough decision on the committee and I think both teams are gonna play well. So we'll see. But I, I would lean Oklahoma personally. Now speaking of teams that are doing pretty well, right. let's uh let's talk NFL and best starting place would be the uh, Rams coming off a, a very, very entertaining win on Monday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs two Mondays ago. Uh, I know you've been a, a backer and a fan of, of what they're doing. What are your thoughts about this weekend's ball game? They just looked so good. I mean, they just came off a 51-point performance to the Chiefs, and they've also had a week to prep and get healthy. So I, I definitely think they roll. I think they're very fortunate to have that bye week coming last week to get Gurley healthy again. And just the Lions do not have the offense to keep up. They've lost Golden Tate to a trade and Marvin Jones out for the season. 
We're not exactly sure what's going on with Carrion Johnson, but he hasn't been practicing. So with him doubtful, I mean, I don't see any universe where the Rams don't roll. So I'm backing them uh, on the 10-point spread, and I also like their team total at 32.5. You know, I think if, if we were to look at their, uh, their, the performance in, in the other Dome game, which was against the Saints, you know, they kind of fell behind early, but, um, you know, their offense indoors, it sizzles. Uh, they made it a game at the end there uh, against the Saints. So I have to imagine that if you were to kind of sort of try to equate that into apples and apples, you know, indoor, that type of thing, you know, greatest show on turf, uh, part two, perhaps, and, and they should most likely roll against the Lions. Uh, and that t- team total, you said, was 32 and a half? Yeah, I feel like... I, I don't see any universe where they don't cover the spread and then not go over the team total. I even feel better about the team total too. I just, I mean, I think 32 and a half is fairly low on that number. I just, I don't see any universe where they don't put up a lot of points. I mean, defensively, they're as sound as it gets and the Lions aren't really going to do anything. And I feel like just what we saw to Stafford on Thanksgiving with those two picks late, I feel like defensively you can get quite a few scores out of the Rams as well. So I really like the team total this week. And from NFC rivals, uh, let's go to division rivals between the uh, Panthers and and the Bucks. That game is in Tampa. Panthers are coming off a, a tough loss to Seattle. That was a back and forth game, and uh, both Cam and, and Russell Wilson looked pretty good. Now they're the Panthers are coming in, need, needing a victory to stop the bleeding a little bit about uh, against Tampa. Uh, what are your thoughts about that game? Yeah, I'm liking the Panthers. I see the spread at three and a half. I feel like it's going to go down to three, just what I've seen a little bit of the line movement. But yeah, both teams desperately need a win. I think the Panthers obviously need a win a little bit more, especially coming off three losses in a row. So in the first meeting between these two teams in week nine, Carolina won 42-28. I think once again, their offense should roll versus a defense that allows 30.7 points per game and give up a lot of yards per contest. I feel like Carolina is kind of overdue for a big performance. And I feel like the Bucks, yeah, you know what, they won last week. They dominated, but it was against the 49ers. So it's really tough to gauge how good they really were last week. I mean, they played a pretty much a turnover-free game, which helped them. I just feel like Carolina is the much better team this week. And I think the spread's small, but I think they'll cover that fairly easily. Rick, we may have to include that, the, the Carolina Panthers in some of our plays here. I like uh, I like yeah, where, know, she, listen, where she's going with that. Yeah, I, I was going to say they're not playing that good because they can't even give tickets away down in Tampa Bay. I heard attendance is down so bad they're actually giving away free tickets this this week for the Carolina game. So I think you might even see a lot of Panther fan base in the stadium. Wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. Depressing. Huh? That's surprising. That's that's one of those things where you kind of just want to throw in the towel and just maybe potentially try to play for some better draft positioning because that's that's honestly embarrassing. That's a matchup I feel like people would want to go see because the Panthers can obviously put up points, but the fact that they can't really sell out tickets is not a good sign for that franchise. Yeah, especially since, I mean, at least you're going to probably see a high-scoring game. I mean, one thing about Tampa, record aside, they, uh, they, they get chunks of yards and they put up points. So uh, hopefully some people can take uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up on some free tickets and catch some sunshine uh, and enjoy a high-scoring affair with uh, hopefully the Panthers covering the three points. Monique, how can uh, our listeners follow you and find out more about your plays and your thoughts during this big sports weekend? Uh, The best place would be on uh, Twitter, and my handle is ParlayQueen. 
Outstanding, Monique. As always, thank you very much. We look forward to speaking with thank you at the same Monique. time next week. Thank you guys so much. Good luck this weekend and enjoy all the football. <laughs> thank you. You yeah, too. Ride those Rams. Exactly. Let's go. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Bye. The Parlay Queen. She always delivers, I'm feeling man. good. I'm feeling good. Good stuff yeah. there. I'm feeling good about those Rams. So, aside from the Rams, now we know you like the Rams. What are some of the other ball games that you're kind of eyeing? Which, uh, which point spread winners can you dole out to our listeners? Well, you know, Mike, I'm looking at Indianapolis going into Jacksonville with a uh, Cody Kessler-led team. I think Leonard Fournette may be suspended this week. It's only four points. I know the Colts were disappointing, uh, not covering a week ago, but they did come back and rally in the second half. And, hey, to me, Andrew Luck is an MVP candidate right now. I wouldn't be shocked if they go down to Jacksonville and just blow them out. Interesting. Uh, and, and I'll get to that thought in a second here. Any other plays, or, or is that the one other play that, yeah, no, uh, that you I, like? I, I didn't know if you wanted to comment on that one or not. The other thing, you know, listen, tonight, hey, these over-unders that we're seeing both in college and the NFL, you know, I went with the over in Oklahoma and, and um, Texas. Are they playing this week? I think it's 78, 79 points. Same thing tonight. New Orleans, I think it's up to like 52. Lay the seven and a half. Who cares? They're going to blow them out of the water. Shout out to Gil Brandt, by the way, being inducted into the Cowboys ring of honor tonight, the uh, godfather of the NFL draft. Very deserving. I'm going with the Saints. Yes, I'm going with the Saints in the over in that one. And then I'll give you one more that I had uh, percolating on the back burner. Let me just dig it up. I think we spoke about the Chiefs. I don't know if it was on the air or off the air. But, again, I like the Chiefs to cover, you know, 15 and a half. I think they'll cover that by the end of the first quarter. And then, of course, everybody wants a little late-night action, Sunday night football. You know, give me the birds, the dirty birds, that is. Uh, with the Eagles, you know, Colt McCoy just looked scared, as Jerry Glanville would say, and afraid back there. Uh, I think the Eagles D-line rough up Colt McCoy early. They're going to put a hurting on the Redskins. They're coming back after their division crown. Would not surprise me here if the Eagles start to make a run. You saw them last week against the Giants try to incorporate Golden Tate a little bit more into that offense. Of course, they got Aguilar. They got Earths, they got uh, all kinds of playmakers there in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, and again, life's too short for the under, Mike. Take the over. <laughs> okay, we got a couple of minutes here. I'll give you a quick recap in terms of records. Gino, so far this season, after a 3-2 and two week, he is 21-14 and 14 and a couple of ties. Uh, my picks were 3-0 and 0 last week. Now, we didn't have a show last week, so this actually corresponds to the week prior. 3-0 and last week. That puts me at 28 and 3 pushes. So I'm looking to extend that record. I've been on a pretty good streak here, and I'm taking a contrarian approach. I'm actually going opposite my good friend Rick, and I'm taking the Jags plus 4. I think that line is fishy. How the hell is it 4 points when the Colts are hot, the Jags are not, and you got Kessler in there? So I'll take the 4 points at home and go against the public on that one. Uh, I'm going to also go against Monique, and I'm going to take the Buccaneers 
getting three and a half points at home against Carolina. Once again, the theme here, I'm big on home dogs. Um, I'm, not, I'm also going to take a road play, and that's the Baltimore Ravens getting a point and a half in Atlanta. I think you're going to see Lamar Jackson's speed on full display indoors. He's going to channel his inner Michael Vick, childhood hero, emulate and run up and down all over that banged-up Falcons defense. Those are the three plays I like the most. I think I go 3-0 and on these. If there was a fourth one that I'm kind of tempted by, it's also taking another backup quarterback with the Bengals uh, getting five points against the Broncos. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and make that official. I'm taking that as my fourth play, the Bengals getting five points or four and a half against the Denver Broncos. That That is it for... For me, and we got to close because we're way over, my friend. Thank you, Rick, for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.